0: God is not going to answer my why questions. He's not going to tell me why I'm not healed or why this is happening. So the next question is, who is he then, truly?
1: Welcome to the Influencers Podcast. I'm Scott Young, co-host, along with Dave Donaldson, who is out on assignment today. Always keep him in prayer as he does so many things uh, for the Lord. But we have a great, great podcast waiting for you today. Our guest is going to help us in in a world that is so much confusion and divisiveness and over-connectivity. It's going to help us as we talk about finding meaning, uh, beauty, and uh, purpose uh, in these lives that we live. Does your heart cry out for love and deeper relationships and maybe even more of God's presence? Then stay tuned as we talk together with Strawn Coleman, who is a writer, a spiritual director, he is an award-winning musician. He's from New Zealand. So this actually is the longest podcast I've ever done from Florida to New Zealand. And uh, he actually is a day ahead of us. So he can predict the future a little bit while we're together. That'll be lovely. He he has recorded for years and then in 2017 made a shift uh, to found Commoners Communion, which is a, a conversation and encourages Conversations about Christian spirituality. He has a passion to help people have a deeper relationship with God. He helps people through his writings, which we'll talk about, podcasting himself, spiritual retreats, and has an online prayer school. Um, He's published a book this year that we're going to talk about called Beholding, and also books about prayer that help readers have a deeper, more honest, Closeness with God. He lives in the beautiful land of New Zealand. He has a wife named Katie. He's got three sons, and I love guys that have three boys. That's the kind of family I grew up in. And Straw and we are so glad to welcome you to the podcast today.
0: Kia ora, Scott, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you today.
1: Thanks for joining us. What's it like? You're raising three boys. What are their ages? And uh, how is it raising three boys?
0: well it's an adventure man we uh my three boys i've got a 10 year old called Mikhail, a seven-year-old theo and a four-year-old about to become four-year-old finley and they we live down here by the beach in um new zealand right on the beach in this beautiful sort of white sand environment where they can learn to surf and to fish and to do life-saving in the water uh, it's it's an adventure, man, but it is busy. I'm not going to lie; it is we have a full, loud, high-impact family, full of joy, full of adventure, full of laughs, and everything in between. So it's it's a real pleasure.
1: Well, it, any mother that has three boys needs our prayers, so we'll be praying for yeah. Katie and uh, <laughs> I. Just the adventure of having boys in a family is amazing. Yeah. Uh, now, a lot of people would just be catching up to you. Uh, just tell us a little bit about your story. Uh, you are a a follower of Jesus. How did that happen? And uh, what does that mean in in your life?
0: So I grew up in a family, I mean, from as early as I could sort of remember, my parents had quite strong Christian values, or at least, you know, sort of talked about God a lot. But it wasn't until I was probably around nine or 10. My mother became very unwell. She got poisoned in a um, x-ray lab that she was working in. She was a radiographer and uh, it had no ventilation and she got very, very sick. And through that process, ended up going along to a sort of a local Baptist church for a healing meeting and having a, a really profound uh, encounter, I guess, with God that sort of took our family from we believe in God and we believe he exists in the morality of Christianity to more, wow, God is real. He's imminent. He's interacting in our lives. He's powerful. And so I think when I when I see where my journey begins, it began there. And so we went along to church in my teen years, but I probably had my own personal real establishment and commitment with God in my early 20s when I'd sort of decided to give up on the faith. I, I couldn't really make it work. For myself morally or intellectually or whatever and uh i was away one summer and and out of the blue when i wasn't seeking at all i just heard god's voice quietly say to me strawn i love you i want you to come home and uh, again the next day and again the next day and for about a week or so i just this voice that started off gentle and quiet became so loud that eventually i decided Man, if God's going to reach me and find me when I'm in my messiest, most broken, dark space of my life, then if that's what the gospel is, then man, I'm, I'm in. And so it's really from my early 20s that I started to really dive deep into the love of God and his kingdom and have been running with him ever since.
1: So during that season, you weren't praying, just this voice was speaking to your soul.
0: Yeah. Oh no, I was not praying. I was drinking and partying, and you know, I was, I had, you know, because my my Christian upbringing, I'd been so restrictive. I just, I just had decided if God doesn't exist, I can live how I want. So I, I was not living in any way, shape, or form toward God. And and He just, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it. I just woke up one morning and this voice just saying, "Strawn, I love you." and I want you to come home. That was it. And it just kept coming and kept coming. And I kept pushing it aside, thinking maybe I'm drinking too much or something. But the voice kept speaking and it changed my life. Yeah, it was (laughs) profound.
1: I I just think that story can encourage people that have uh, friends, loved ones that may be living far from God, that uh, Mm -hmm. as they pray for them, that that voice can penetrate, um, as the psalmist said, right down to the very depths of hell and can speak Mm -hmm. into that. So, it's it's a beautiful story. And I, I really hope it encourages people. And then uh, were you a musician at that time? You became a musician? What's that story?
0: Yeah, so I've done music my whole life. I started writing songs when I was eight, you know, music is for me, definitely. It's it's probably deeper than something I do. It feels just a part of my being. It's just the way that I express have always expressed my life and soul and prayer. And so, when I, in my teen years, I was in heavy rock bands and, you know, the whole jet black hair and dog chains and wrist bands. And we used to go to these, you know, bars and play with thrash core bands that would, would absolutely be, you know, I mean, they would jump up on the stage and say things like we welcome demons, you know, like full on intense, heavy metal stuff. And we would get up and we'd play our songs, which were quite heavy rock and invite God's spirit to come. And I mean, we would just have these amazing experiences where, um, where people, you know, people would be like bar fighting and and just blooded be in all sorts of places with these heavy metal bands playing. We would get up and play, and most of our songs were pretty translatable, but a couple were very much about God. And in those moments, that just this, the Holy Spirit would into the room, and a calmness would come, and people's personas would change. And even they would come up to us, even really drunk afterwards, and just say, "I don't know how to explain it, but when you guys played, I just felt yeah. this." incredible piece. And so I'd spent my teen years doing all of that in bars and pubs. We had a bit of success. We played some stadium shows. And when the band broke up, it was around that time when I walked from God. So when I when I came back into God's heart, um, I actually became a worship leader. So I started translating that sort of longing into music. And then from there, started writing sort of solo psalms and, and prayerful songs, which became in my 20s. So my wife and I, we traveled the world basically playing these songs in bars and cafes that were very psalmic and sharing the gospel and praying for people there and and just wanting to, to pour the water of God's love out wherever we could find it. And that took us to America, Europe, Australasia, all throughout Aotearoa, New Zealand here. And it was a beautiful time, actually, really beautiful time.
1: And then uh, maybe similar or at least following, uh, just listening to your mother who had a tragic health kind of intervention you had, mm. A real difficulty in your health uh, that kind of brought, um, uh, I guess, a transition. Or let's talk about that. You were bedridden. You yeah. uh, you had a, a long fight with viruses and a mental fog. And um, it, it, how did that affect your walk with God? And how did you come through that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I so you know we've been we'd been living and traveling as musicianaries for about six or seven years and I've been given it everything. You know, we, we lived off toast and you know, (laughs) whatever, whatever we could find. And we lived by faith. And, but I think as well, at the same time I was, had been, I knew that something was wrong. I just wasn't well very often and we couldn't quite figure it out, but I, doctors couldn't figure out what it was. So I kept going. And I think after a tour, basically a very full on tour, my body just gave up and I came back from that, a specific overseas trip. And yes, basically my body just crashed. And I spent about two years just getting virus after virus every single week, all year long. I had um, migraines and nausea and headaches, and it was bedridden for quite a significant uh, percentage of that time. And, you know, we seeing doctors and they couldn't figure out what was going on. I was struggling to sing, struggling to play with my children. You know, I couldn't work. So we, we were kind of ended up in a real financial um, dire straits. And mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a really hard time. And it wasn't just the, the physical health. It was also that we just had these miraculous lives where God had been providing for us and he'd been answering our prayers. And we, would, you know, pray for people after shows and they would find freedom and healing. And here I am crying out, for god's help and his healing and feeling totally abandoned so i think it was it was just it was sort of a mental emotional spiritual physical crisis all at once and what it did is it just it, it felt like hitting a brick wall at 100 miles per hour and um it became a very raw and honest time with god where it was like okay father I don't understand what's going on, and and something needs to change. And out of that season, really, this big shift came in my life about learning to to be with God and to to talk with Him and commune with Him beyond the sort of rationalization, I guess, and the safety nets that we often feel in our lives.
1: Did you did you feel like God had deserted you, or did, did the, the the sickness pull you away from God to God a little bit of both?
0: Yeah. All of, all of the above. I mean, I think my initial reaction was, you know, this is a, this is an obstacle that God is going to overcome and I'm going to have a great story and it's going to be part of my story. Uh, then I went through anger and grief. God, you know, it's been a year or two. I'm still incredibly sick. we we've got no money. I can't play with my kids. Where are you? And what do you, I thought you said you were good and you said, seeking, you were fine, knock on the door, be answered. Mm-hmm. And here I am. And, and, you know, I'm angry and, and, there probably was a little bit of, who do you think you are, God? You know, a lot of dangerous prayers mm-hmm. prayed and, yeah. and disappointment and grief and anguish. Uh, and then eventually on the other side of that just came this moment, I think, where I just was like, God is not going to answer my why questions. He's not going to tell me why I'm not healed or why this is happening. So the next question is, who is he then truly? And I think when I started to move from why questions, why is this happening? Why am I healing? To who questions who is God and what does it mean that he's good and how can he love me in the, in the light of this circumstance, that's when I started to draw nearer to God in really profound ways. And that's when transformation began.
1: When you ask those who questions and went on that discovery of, of who God was, Uh, what what kind of things did you discover and how did it deepen your relationship with God? And I'm particularly thinking of someone that may be listening, um, struggling with chronic pain currently while they're Mm -hmm. listening to us. They hear your story. You're on the other side of it. But talk about when you're in the middle of that and you're asking those, those really powerful questions.
0: The first thing I think that, that began to change for me was realizing that God didn't seem to prioritize um my you know making me unoffended. He he wasn't too worried about offending me, basically, which which was like I, I thought, hey God, wouldn't you really want me to not you you wouldn't you want to just help me out here so I'm not so offended and upset? And he just didn't he didn't care about, you know, he was, you know, I think about this moment, a passage that was very dear to me was Lazarus you know, the story of Lazarus that Jesus knows Lazarus is sick, mm-hmm. Lazarus dies, he's, he's walking to the grave. And in that moment, Jesus knows he's going to resurrect or he's going to resuscitate Lazarus. Lazarus is going to come back to life. And yet he sees the grief surrounding him. And out of anger at death and sin and out of anger and, dis- and hurt at the grief around him, he weeps. And I think what happened to me was I discovered God weeping with me. And it's interesting to me that in that moment, Jesus doesn't try to tell, explain everything perfectly to everybody. He just experiences the moment and they couldn't understand it at the time. You know, it was it was offensive and upsetting and hurtful to them. And in that moment, though, Jesus was present and he wept. And so I think for me, when I switched to those who questions, I found not a God that wants to give easy answers or who's worried about offending me. I found a God who was saying, hmm. Strawn, I want you to love me above all the answers, above all the security that I give you, above all the gifts that you receive from me, above all the excitement. I just want you to love me for me. And I'm sitting here with you right now, arms around you weeping. Do you love me? And I think what happened then was I became free from all the things I get from God And I began to discover the person of God. And that's quite a scary experience, you know, because we like the God that's the genie in the bottle that we can rub, you know, rub the bottle and say, heal me or heal my marriage or heal my finances or give me a, a calling or give me meaning. That God is wonderful. But the God who says, love me as I am without what I give you, that's quite terrifying. But if once you cross that line, there's just this profound, deep invitation to communion that is is really beautiful. And I think uh, just in terms of the sickness, thinking about people listening, it's not that God healed my sickness. And the truth is, I actually, this last two years, so this last year has been more sick than any other time in my life. I've been really bad. Um, So it's not like the suffering has ended and the sickness is gone, but it's been disempowered. It no longer gets to determine meaning and intimacy with God. And, And I think that's what it means to overcome death, is to no longer let it become the The central conversation in our lives. Uh,
1: Just the last few uh, moments, Strawn, that you have, uh, you just unpacked a pile. I just, I would just, if you're listening, I just back up for the last few minutes and re listen to what Strawn just said because he said so many um, profound, uh, beautiful, and meaningful things that I think it's worth re-listening to. Um, now you've captured a lot in your new book, uh, Beholding, subtitled uh, Deepening Our Experience in God. Um, the title Beholding, what does that What does that mean? And what do you want people that pick that book up and, and read? What will they find and what will they discover with you?
0: So Beholding, I kind of define Beholding Prayer in the book as our... Gazing lovingly into God as He gazes lovingly back into us. And what I'm trying to um, share in the book is a vision of prayer, a vision of life, actually, in which the gospel is about us catching God's eyes and keeping our attentiveness to God as He keeps His attentiveness to us. And I think a lot of people really struggle with the word prayer and what prayer means. You know, in my experience, I've been running prayer ministries in churches for, you know, a decade and almost everyone I've ever met feels terrible at it. And and you could have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people uh, in your church. And yet most often you might get a couple of people to a prayer meeting, two, three, four, five max, maybe to the first one, to the next one, it's more like one or two, you know? And so I think that what I what I experienced, you know, what I was sharing before about my journey What I learned about God was that prayer is actually so much about an open and vulnerable disposition toward God. It's about having a receiving disposition, one in which we say, I I receive your love, God, I receive your presence. I receive your kindness and your compassion Mm -hmm. and your gentleness. Um, And that the purpose of our life is to basically stay open to that spirit and then to return that love and affection. It's about belovedness. And so um, in the book, I'm sharing my own story, and I'm sharing how how that that kind of prayer, if if prayer and primarily our, our walk with God is about maintaining this this gaze of love, then um, answers become de- a little bit de-emphasized. They're still important. I still want answers, but they're not as important as maintaining that loving disposition to God. So, yeah, beholding is about. Be holding God, but also being held by God uh, and sort of transcending the kind of transactionalism I think that we can sometimes get stuck in in our prayer life, where prayer is the place we go to get things done or to get stuff or to give stuff rather than just to enjoy the wonder, the mystery, the beauty and goodness of God. So that's what that's that's sort of the premise of the book.
1: And now you're raising three um, energetic vital young men Um, how do you pass some of the things that you've been through the things that you're learning about prayer uh, just thinking about the next generation that's coming up uh, what are you teaching to your family and that parents may listen and go well that may be something good for me to teach the rising generation that i'm influencing just in the very discoveries of prayer that we've been talking about today
0: so with my, my kids, you know, I've tried routine, I've tried morning devotionals and all that. I mean, if anyone out there has tried to <laughs> wrangle their kids for an early morning devotional and stuff, you'll you know what I mean, that they, chaos. Uh, but there's, there's a few things that I do with my children to to keep bending their hearts toward awareness and experience of God. And one of those things is on my good days when I'm not exhausted or sick or whatever, I pray the Lord's prayer every night with the kids before they go to bed. And I, I just, I've we've, I just say it out loud until they've memorized it. So we pray the Lord's prayer. We, I say two things I'm grateful for. They say two things they are grateful for. Cause gratefulness mm-hmm. is a doorway into seeing mm-hmm. God's presence. And then I place my hand on yeah. their head and I bless them. I say, as your father, I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be strong and courageous and to grow up well and whole and gentle and kind in the power of God. So I, yeah. I pray that over them on my good days. Um, but I think overall, what I've really tried to do is bring awareness of God into all moments. So, you know, if if, they're, if we're talking about being a dad or something like that, or some kind of context of, of me and what I'm doing, I'll always try and say something like, and man, God is even an even better dad. There's no brokenness. There's no shortfalls like God isn't a dad who's who's got chronic illness. He's not a dad who gets grumpy if he doesn't drink enough coffee in the morning. You know, like God is so good and he always loves and I want to be like him. And so I want to I want to use that moment to teach or if we're out at the beach and, and it's a beautiful day, I'll say, isn't this day beautiful? Isn't God's imagination so mm. incredible that he, and so I think what I want to do, or if there's something comes up at school and I, you know what, Jesus teaches about that. He teaches this. And isn't it amazing that he's mm-hmm. that kind of, person, that he loves his enemies. And so that's not necessarily directly talking about prayer, but what I want to do is train in them that in all situations, they have this inclination toward God that uh, of a little bit of adoration and worship. Oh, isn't it amazing that God isn't like this or that he doesn't do that and that he is like this. And I think for me, my goal is that they would live this life of awareness and adoration and that prayer would naturally flow from there um, and integrate into their lives.
1: Yeah, several things I love. First of all, I love that you live by the beach. You're a man after my yeah. own heart. <laughs> um, and just some of the things you mentioned about um, uh, two things of gratitude when we were raising our kids, they're adults now, but we at the dinner table, we would always say something we were thankful for about yesterday and something we were thankful for about today. So we had two things nice. like you. And then the power of blessing I think especially uh, strong like uh, the dad's blessing is very important for dads that are listening and um, to hear their father's voice uh, bless them, especially just before they go to sleep. That's a beautiful uh, practice. And uh, you've learned a lot. You're not an old man, but you've learned a lot in your years. Um, if, If you today were things that you know today that you wish you knew, 10 or 20 years ago that really would have been good to know 10 or 20 years ago. What's, what's yeah, yeah. one thing that you just would say, you know, I just, I wish I would have learned this sooner in
0: my life. Oh, I mean, I wish I knew so many things sooner in my life. I think I was a very like <laughs> well, strong head. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I think if I could just because of my own personal journey, I think if I could go back, I would like to tell myself, you're not in control i think back then i'd really felt yeah. i've got to take this thing and i got to take it in this direction i got to do it and it's all up to me and uh, you know i'd really felt a lot of pressure in my own personal journey that if i don't make the right decisions then god will be disappointed or you know god's given me this calling of music mm. and ensuring the God's i got to get this right and and as it turns out life life has a lot more to say about the direction of our of our existence than often our own strength does. And so I think I'd go back and say, strong, trust God's process, trust he's with you, trust he's working, Mm. trust his grace, and just enjoy the ride. And don't be so uptight about every detail and making it work and this and that, because a lot of it will be out of your control, you know, because for me, sickness is out of my control. Do you know what I mean? And there are things in life for all of us, I think that will shock us and move us in new directions. And that's exciting. That is a That's what makes life so beautiful and wonderful is that we don't know and that we're not in control, Um, you know, to a certain degree. I'm not saying we we can't have any control in our life. Um, But for me, I think that was probably my big thing. I got this. Uh, Well, well, young Strawn, you don't really got this. You'll learn that. Now, if
1: people go to your website, which is commonerscommunion.com, commonerscommunion.com, what will they find there and what what kind of message? I hope through that website they can find, which we should put in our show notes, they can find how to connect with you, maybe how to get a hold of your book to mm-hmm. um, to follow your story. And it's, it's quite obvious. Um, you walk in wisdom, I want to just say that. Uh, and you're you're growing in wisdom, so it's good for people to listen to that. But if they went to your website, commonerscommunion.com, what would they find there?
0: So uh, my life is all about one thing. I My desire is to build God's house of prayer in our generation. And so if you visit my website, Commoners Communion, you'll find I've written three prayer books that are sort of devotionals to help you launch into your own prayer life. I have uh, two podcasts, one where I talk about Um, just those prayers. And another one is actually an experiential prayer podcast. So if you struggle to pray, you can put that on and I'll guide you through a prayerful meditation, a guided prayer that's called the Beholding Prayer Podcast. Mm -hmm. You'll find my book, Beholding, which is is hopefully a helpful resource. So I think all of those things, just my attempt at at saying, let's explore prayer being something we want to do that's exciting, that's enriching and deepening. Uh, through every medium we can. And uh, when I'm when I'm well enough, I do prayer schools, which are sort of seven, eight-week courses to just kind of enter into and, and have a transformation of thinking around what prayer is. Uh, so yeah, you'll find all that, hopefully, there at commonerscommunion.com.
1: And we'd love you to uh, connect with that resource. And uh, uh, we really appreciate uh, taking time day ahead of us but you're up in new zealand we're here in florida i I really would like and um, to just invite you uh, to pray this is a calling that's on your life i was talking with our team this week and we really felt uh, by the holy spirit that we need to be more intentional to teach um, prayer to our rising generation um, that the promise of scripture that says, if my people, which we are, are called by his name, which we are, we humble ourselves. Prayer does that. But we need to teach them how to call on his name, to not be distracted by their phones or their friends. And I just love the, the calling in your heart. And there's probably somebody listening uh, that's struggling with um, health issues that wonders, is God still with me in this? Because the enemy loves to say you're alone. And I would love just to invite you to pray God's um, affirmed presence and blessing over our friends that are listening today
0: strong. Great. We'd love to do that. Oh, Father, we love you. We love you and adore you. We're grateful for you. We just acknowledge your wonder and your beauty and your goodness because you are so good, Father. And e- even when we don't understand, even when it feels like mystery is the best definition for what we're experiencing. And God, we thank you that even in our darkness, even in our pain, even when we have answerless questions and we're not sure and we're anxious or we're lonely or down, that your goodness and love is pervading our life. And I, I pray for everybody listening today, that you would open their eyes, God, that you would give them eyes to see that whatever they're going through, they would see your face, and that that would just bring peace and joy, that in the depth of them, your kingdom would be planted, that your love would flourish. God, would your spirit awaken your church to a loving adoration of you? We open ourselves now to your presence, to your grace. We pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.
1: (laughs) Amen. Oh, I feel the presence of Jesus, and that's the sweetest presence of all. Strawn, I want to thank you for being with us today on the Influencers Podcast. And I really encourage our friends to reach out and connect. I think it will help your prayer life, which is what the Bible is all about. The Bible is to call us into a relationship with God, and that's what prayer is. It's a relationship with God. So thank you so much for joining us today, my friend. And for all of our friends on the podcast, remember that God calls you to be an influence where you are, to let the light shine brighter, to overcome darkness. And for the Influencers Podcast, I'm Scott Young.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you
1: enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. You can follow us on all social media platforms at The Influencers Podcast Official. You can stay up to date, hear more inspiring content, and unlock your full potential as an influencer.
0: Remember to use your influence to create lasting change that draws the world closer to Jesus.